0: plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: Hello and welcome to the Self Love Club, the podcast chatting about stuff that matters, created and hosted by me, broadcaster Val Crawford. Thank you so much for joining me. Have an episode today, which I am so excited for you to hear. We're joined by Lauren, who is behind a business called Floss. It's mental health chats, cake kits. She started by making cakes. She tells us about this incredible experience she got with an internship in New York and what happened when she came home, how she created her business through her love of food, and how a conversation with her dad when her mental health wasn't good led her on a path to what she's doing now. Empowering open conversations around mental health holding events, which I was very privileged to be on a panel speaking at, are you okay? There's so much fun. You have open chats about mental health with an incredible room of people. And also you learn how to make decorate beautiful cupcakes, which Lauren is so talented at. As Lauren shares her story, you'll find out about how her mum got sick when she was young and she talks us through that. Also, her experiences with mental health, and she does take us through some of her darkest times. A trigger warning, there is mention of suicidal thoughts and being very depressed and low. And if this is something you or someone you know is struggling with, I've left some links and places to get help in the show notes, whether it's an emergency or you are needing some professional help. I really appreciate her honesty and also the way she's empowering others to have conversations and let other people feel seen, which is all about. If you struggle with anxiety, which so many people do, so many people I speak to on this podcast, no matter how successful they've been, they struggle Often with anxiety and low self worth. Before we get into it, please make sure that you're subscribed on your podcast app. You can hit follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening, and follow us at Self Love Club Podcast on Instagram. Let's get into it. Lauren, welcome to the Self Love Club. Thank you so much for your time today. I'm so excited to have a chat. Thank you for having me. This is
2: very exciting. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Now, tell us a bit about yourself and what you do.
2: Okay. Well, as you, as you heard, my name is Lauren, um, and I own a small business called Floss. It's, it's so difficult explaining what it does, what I, know. what I do, because it's like kind of cake, but then... Mostly not. It started as a cake business and then late last year I decided I don't actually like making cakes anymore and I was like, you know what, I don't have to. So I decided to kind of pretty much stopped making cakes now. I've started my I suppose you could call it movement project something insert cool word here, <laughs> called "Are uh, You Cake. Okay? And basically it's just encouraging people to open up conversations um, and check in with each other with cake. <laughs> so this still is like a cake element. It's just more about like, I guess I have learned how important talking feels and I want to like help people do that too. I create little cake kits. I do workshops and we just like talk and to make cupcakes. And yeah, it's such a fun time. <laughs>
1: We're going to talk through all your work soon and what that looks like and what you do, because I was lucky enough to attend and see what you do at one of your IO um, Cake you okay? events. But take us back. Where did you grow up? And when you were growing up, did you know what you wanted to do at all?
2: Yeah, I think I did. Well, I've always loved food and I've always loved cake like and lollies and sweet things. <laughs> my dad says that I the, probably the first thing I ate was probably a lolly. I mean, I'm sure it's not true, but <laughs> he always jokes about that. So yeah, I, I learned to bake from my nana and my mum. And I realized that if I bake it, I get to eat it. And so like my love of baking kind of just like stuck around. I always thought when I was younger, I always thought I'd own a restaurant. And then I learned about what owning a restaurant would be like. And I was like, nah, <laughs> I don't think I want to do that. Um, and thought I wanted to be a chef. And like, so I always thought there was something to do with food. I think about this question and I think that when I was like, younger and I would be checking on in on friends and be like, here if you want to talk and like I'd have friends over and we'd bake cake together or bake together or think about what I do now. And I'm like, hmm, I kind of like set up those little steps for me now. And it's I've created that, (laughs) which is really cool.
1: I love hearing that. And it's often the way whatever you end up doing as an adult, whether that's like your job is your passion or you have your passions outside of your job or your career. It's really cool hearing the things that people just gravitated towards and they love doing and how that it's kind of like for me you know that's I used to such a little nerd make radio shows in my bedroom <laughs> or write scripts and pretend that I was on the tv or presenting the news or whatever or just constantly making things or being creative which I was always doing it's really cool when you see an adult like yourself something that they love doing so much and there was no they didn't really think about it. They just did it right, and it's sort of that passion. It's something that you're meant to do.
2: Yeah, I um, that's so funny. I actually used to have this little like radio thing. So it's like, I wonder if the talking thing came from there. It was like this like purple thing with a microphone, and you could like push the laugh button. And like we used to record radio shows on it. So cute.
1: Oh, that sounds fancy. I just had, I remember for Christmas one year, I got a tape deck radio and I worked, I didn't have any, I remember those ones. That the—that the, was pretty fancy. I didn't have anything like that. I just used to press record on my, I worked out that I could tape the radio and used to get really, you understand when you're back in the day, this is a side note, used to get annoyed that the radio announcers would talk over the end of the song. But back in the day, it was to do with licensing. They had to do it because people would record. But now it's just, it, you also get taught to do that. So that's just the style of keeping the flow. But anyway, that's a that's a whole other topic. That's just radio nerd chat coming through.
2: <laughs> that's so interesting. Did not know that.
1: <laughs> so you when you left school, what did you decide to do? Like, where did you, you know, were you thinking, okay, so it's often a time where, you put a lot of pressure on yourself. When you look back, though, you're like, oh, there's no hurry. You could do lots of different things and it's totally fine. So what did you do when you left school?
2: I, when I finished school, I was not ready to be leaving school. Like, I, I was still so young. I was a very young, like, 18-year-old. I feel like, I don't know, 18-year-olds these days are a little bit, like, more growing up. That's just what I see from the outside. But I went to uni and I studied hospitality management. I was around people studying that who also knew that they wanted to like a marketing major, or an HR major. And I was like, oh, I don't know, food. So I did a food and beverage major. <laughs> learned so much, but also don't know if I can remember much of it. <laughs> like you're obviously doing what you learned to like you went to radio school, right? You're you you you're doing it every day. Like we did like hospitality accounting and I do not need that in real life. Well, kind of.
1: <laughs> yeah. You Well, like they're all skills. I don't know. I think the older I've gotten, you realize that everything you do sort of helps you. So that I guess having your own business now, that kind of accounting side of things and entrepreneurial side of things, and it, it all kind of helps. And I don't know. I think if we could go back and uh, tell our younger selves, Hey, don't put so much pressure on what you do after school. It doesn't like I mean, yeah, if you wanna be a doctor, cool, but if you don't know what you wanna do, that's so normal. I wanted to do so many things um, and we put a lot of pressure on ourselves, same when we leave uni and go into the real world. It's you put a lot of pressure on I remember doing that, oh, I've got to get the right job, and it doesn't i mean yeah, it's all kind of helps, and it can maybe set off your career or whatever. It doesn't really matter,
2: yeah totally totally and even like now I'm 31 and I'm like that stuff doesn't really matter like <laughs> yeah. like I matter I'm important but like the things I do like you always I don't know things get way blown blown way out of proportion if I think back on like you know how everything happens for a reason I think the reason I studied this and the reason I went to uni was because at the end of it I think I was about a month from finishing and I had a lecturer come up to me and hand me this thing and was like you should apply for this and I looked at it I had a day to apply for it and it was an intern in New York I was terrified (laughs) you know how I said I needed some people to tell me what to do they told me what to do so I filled it out my parents were in like away somewhere so I couldn't even like be like should I do this should I not I filled it out and I got it
1: (laughs) wow that's so cool so what did you end up doing in New York
2: so I did an internship at a, um, it was like a restaurant, events, place, combination kind of thing. They did like weddings and big events and stuff. And I did that for three months, like front of house, back of house. I got to like help make desserts in the kitchen and yeah, it was incredible. And I got to live in New York, which was amazing. And then extended my visa and stayed there for a whole year.
1: Wow, that's so incredible, and I think a lot of people, we romanticize and dream of a New York experience, but what was that like for you, particularly as you said, you know, when you left school, you didn't really feel like you were ready to leave school, and you felt, I guess, a bit young and naive, so what was that like going from feeling, like being in that sort of mindset, and then being thrown into New York, which is so full-on, and often referred to as that, you know, concrete jungle, and everyone's off out getting their dreams
2: I was scared shitless (laughs) it was terrifying it helped that actually before I went I went on like a three-week trip around Europe with one of my friends so that kind of like got me out of New Zealand got me like exploring things and meeting people and kind of being on my own but not quite like I think about it now I'm like it was so fun but at the time it was terrifying like I literally flew there by myself I had to find like somewhere to stay. I was navigating the airport by myself. Yeah, I was 21 and yeah, alone in New York. It was pretty scary. I remember the first day I got there, I had like a suitcase and everything and I came up the subway stairs out of like the train station, subway. (laughs) I think I was like near Times Square or in Times Square, something like that. And I came up and I was just like, Holy crap! It was like just like the movies, like the concrete jungle, like people everywhere, and I was just standing there like, whoa! It it felt like I was in a movie, and then someone just walked straight into me, like shouldered me, and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, all right. I need to focus on what I'm doing. Like I'm here now; it's time to start being, yeah, focused. And
1: yeah, do you think it was like a face the fear and do it anyway? And and you know, like you already had this course to do or the internship to do, so you had something to do. So it was just getting thrown straight in and do you think that was sort of what it was for you?
2: Yeah, I think so. It's it's funny because I think back and I'm like, how did I do that? Like I just applied for it and then I just got it and I was just like, okay, I'm doing it. It was almost like it wasn't me. Like it was like the fear wasn't controlling it. My body was controlling it. If I stopped and thought about it and thought, do I actually want to do this? Like it's my choice. I don't have to go if I don't want to. I would have been like, oh, okay, no. I'm staying here where it's safe and it's comfortable and I don't have to be terrified all the time. I think maybe I was also a bit young and naive and like, I've got to take this opportunity or else I'm not going to get another one kind of thing. Which I think helped because if I thought about it, like I said, if I thought about it too much, I would not have gone. (laughs) And I don't think my life would be like what it is now if I didn't go.
1: Yeah. It's really cool to hear. I love when, you know, like you literally are facing that fear and it is interesting. Our brains can really hold us back Our, You know, if we think too much about things and it's, yeah, it's, it sounds probably a little bit woo woo and weird, but I just find that really fascinating how we can, there's something that we're meant to do. It's scary or whatever. And then something just makes us do it anyway, even though we're like,
2: oh, I don't know. I know. I know. Yeah. I, it's, it's strange to think like, what if I didn't
1: go? Like, What else did you get from your New York experience, whether it's something that you discovered or, uh, you know, things that you've learned that you've taken with you now in your work? I think the
2: biggest thing is that I can be okay by myself. Beforehand would have to, would feel like I needed to go everywhere with my mum or be with people that I, like, trust and felt safe with. And, like, there is parts of me that still does feel like that. I would finish work at, like, at night and just like go to Forever 21 and Times Square and go shopping till like midnight. Was just like so normal. Like it was it was really odd that I was able to shop till midnight because being from New Zealand.
1: No, that sounds like a dream, I reckon, yeah. Like, I mean obviously if 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 you're working those hours, then why not? You know, if you can't get there any other time. That sounds so handy, you know? Yeah.
2: It was really cool. And like Times Square was so quiet at the time and like the shops were so empty. I do want to say that I spent a lot of times in my apartment room watching Netflix or eating oh my god the food over there (laughs) but just like from my bed because I was still really scared and when I look back now I think a little bit depressed at the time I was by myself like I knew I had met people and I made friends and stuff but it's it wasn't home but then there were times where I would be able to like okay we're going to leave the house today.
1: You know, I think often we do glamorize moving overseas or going traveling or whatever that yes, you do have an incredible time, but it is also extremely hard and there are a lot of things that, you know, like you say, being a bit depressed and that's pretty like it's not not that we want to be depressed, but that stuff all comes with it and it's not I don't want to say the word normal, but it's to be expected that when you make a big change and move to a completely different place, especially when you didn't know for you know, it's very quick yeah, I don't know. I've I've moved around a lot, more so in New Zealand, but travelled alone. And yeah, I think we often glamorize, you know, oh, we move this and it's amazing. And yeah, that can be amazing and that's great. But there are a lot of struggles that people experience, which also lead to growth, though. Which it sounds like it really did for you. I think yeah,
2: like you said, it's definitely glamorized and I think that it's like totally okay just to like when you're traveling alone to have nights that or days that you just sit and watch Netflix like when I think back now just because I was in this amazing country didn't or city didn't mean that I had to always be making it incredible like the movies. I think I grew up having this like real like fantasy that my life would become a movie. All these things would happen for me and I'd be able to talk, sing to birds and Prince Charming would come along and everything would be perfect.
1: And that's
2: not true. It can't be like that.
1: Thanks, Disney. Disney did us dirty, didn't it? All these movies we watched and everything was beautiful and happily ever after. Right? Yeah. Happy
2: can can exist, but not happily ever after because it's not the end. Like, movies I think that's the the problem with the movie is it it ends we kind of grew up thinking that we were going to be happy and stay happy but really that would be if it was like the movies it would be that then after we're happy we don't exist I, I loved what I did over there so I was um I was helping the events manager I was like her assistant and we would like get ready for weddings and like help with the weddings and I was like hosting at the restaurant and like I was having so much fun and I came back and was like how can I just basically replicate exactly that here and I couldn't (laughs) because it wasn't New York and so I went from job to job to job to try and find that thing I went back to the place I was working at before I left just like a cafe and then we were gonna like set up this events thing at the cafe and that didn't work so then I got another job at another place and they were going to set up this events thing. I think people saw on my CV that I was like in events in a in New York and they were like, oh, she can do it here. But then like nothing came from it. <laughs> I also think that I was trying to find something that couldn't exist. Yeah, then I just tried all these different things. So then I, I became a sales rep, <laughs> which is so random. Like, And I hated it. I would get in my car in the morning and I would drive from home to work and crying, then I would stop at a customer. I would go in, you know, get back in my car and I'd cry to the next customer. I hated it.
1: It's also with the sales role. It's probably because it's not something that you were meant to do or you didn't enjoy doing as well. You know, it's, I don't know, I find it really hard to do things that I don't want to do, which is so naughty. Like, it's a bit, like, I'll do the work and everything. But if if I can find a job where I'm so passionate and I love it, I find it a lot more fulfilling. And I know that's not how life is all the time, but why not? You know, that's what I always think. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so when when did you start realizing, hey, because I, I mean, I know a bit of your story, but hey, I'm going to start doing my own thing because maybe it wasn't working with these other places because you were meant to create this thing yourself, even though you said, you know, you couldn't replicate exactly what it was in New York. So when did that discovery come about?
2: I had been seeing a therapist for about a year, I think, and I was talking about how I wanted to start this cake business, but I was like, that was this. It was almost like this thing that was like too huge. My therapist described it as like I'd put it in this bubble, and I wasn't allowed to touch the bubble or go for a bit pop the bubble. It was actually when I was working as a sales rep, and I went on a holiday to Australia, and I was like, if I come back and I'm not excited to be back and I came back and I got my car and cried again and I was like you know what actually like I don't have to do this and it was something that my therapist had been saying to me for probably like a year (laughs) but nothing ever ever really clicks until it's ready to click in your head and I was like I think I want to start this cake business. <laughs> I had amazing support. My boyfriend at the time, he was my boyfriend, he's now my fiance. <laughs> um, same one. He got upgraded. <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> Up levels. He was very supportive. My parents were so supportive. They were like, yeah, just do it. Like, you're good at it. And I just got like a part time job at like a catering place where I could just work. I was just doing four days um and I'd have Fridays where I would make cakes for people and I had this goal that by the end of the year, this is 2017, I think. By the end of the year, I would have a website and I didn't. So I was like, okay, by the halfway through next year, I'll have a website. And then I got a website. And isn't it funny when you don't have a website? You're like, imagine if I have a website. And then you have one, you're like, yeah, it's quite normal. Like it's just a it's just a website. I was thinking that having this cake business would be like this huge thing. And it was, it changed my life, but it was just me making cakes in my kitchen.
1: I think we have these ideas in our head and I'd love to know your thought process, you know, when it's like, you thought that having a cake business was this really hard thing that you'd put almost out of reach for yourself. And I I think a lot of the time when we want to do something, we just make it seem so hard or we think of all the, like the finished product. And so we don't, and I know I do this. We all, I think we all do it. We get scared of, oh, how do I even do that? Because I don't know, you think too far ahead. Whereas I think to create something like you have and like I have, you just got to start and you don't have to know all the, how it's going to look and how it all works. And that's something I've had to check myself on at times because you sort of get, you do get too far ahead and thinking, you know, so I'd love to know your thought process around that. Cause I think that's the number one thing that stops people from doing something.
2: It's literally that first step isn't it? My business coach has this thing, I guess when you're trying to do anything, but especially when you're trying to like, I guess, manifest something that isn't a thing, but you want it to be a thing. And she always says, know how, only allow. And I love that. I feel like it's ingrained in my brain when I'm like, I I want to go to Taylor Swift. <laughs> and I've just, I've written it down for the universe. And then I've written know how, only allow. Like it'll just happen. Like I don't need to find out exactly how it's going to happen, allowing it to happen instead of trying to force it to happen.
1: No, totally. It's like breaking it down into steps instead of overwhelming yourself, which is something I still have to do because the the number of times that you'll think, oh, it's – Because, you know, especially if you're a bit of a perfectionist like we are, we like things to be really good, I'll think, oh, no. And and so now I'm really practicing that, yes, what the work I want to do, I want it to be of a certain quality and I put those standards on myself and I know you do as well. But, you know, you hear the saying done is better than perfect. And, you know, if your website isn't, for example, your website isn't as Perfect as you would like. Well, it's better to get it out there and fix it as you go, or whatever, than to wait another two, five years, or never do it. You know, that's something I've definitely learned from people on on this podcast. You know, it's like when they started something, it's like done's better than perfect. So I'm trying to practice what I preach now, and when I have ideas or doing things, just getting it done rather than overwhelming yourself and not. And then you you end up feeling worse about yourself.
2: Yeah, because you have this big expectation that it's going to be this incredible thing that you're going to create.
1: Still to come, Lauren shares how a conversation she had with her dad at a really low point has led her on the path and inspired her to do what she's doing now, empowering others to have conversations about their mental health. Plus, she takes us through some really dark times and how she managed to get herself out of them. We'll be back after a quick break.
0: Plushcare.com/slash/weight-loss.
1: When I heard your story, and I remember when you reached out to me, and, and we—I got to be very lucky to be on a panel at your AOK you okay? event. You, I was really inspired by your story, and that's what I love about when I connect with certain people. If I'm, I'm like, wow, that's a really cool story, and I love what they created. So, well done, first of all, because I think what you've created is incredible, and I, I, I was really impressed even before I really met you um, much. I was like, wow, this is so cool, and. In reading the story about, and I'd I'd love for you to share it with us, you know, you had this experience with your dad and you weren't feeling very good. So if you're you're willing to talk about that, I would love for you to share.
2: Yeah, of course. I have always struggled with anxiety, which I didn't know until I started seeing a therapist. I didn't know what it was. I thought I was just like a person that would worry all the time. And I didn't want to bother people around me with it because we're one of those families that kind of we laugh things off, we, oh, it'll be right. We try and be really positive, which um, for a person like me who feels a lot was quite hard because I thought, oh, I'm really worried about this thing. Um, How do I like get it out? And so it was just like, oh, don't be silly. You're being silly. Push it down. And I made myself feel a little bit like an alien in my own like family. I think probably one of the biggest turning points was with my dad. So my mum was in hospital and We were just, like, at home waiting. I think it might have been the day of her. She had a liver transplant. She had been sick. She got sick first when I was 13. That was really scary. I didn't really know what was going on. It was bowel cancer back then, and the reason I found out it was bowel cancer was because she had this, on her hospital bed, she had this um, pamphlet with a um, daffodil flower on the front, and I was like, oh, that's the cancer flower. No one actually, like, told me this is what it is. So it was a lot of, like kind of just figure it out, but like too scared to ask actually what it is and what's going on. So I'll just like kind of just be quiet and be scared inside myself. I've always felt such a strong connection to my mum. And I think that somewhere along the line, I managed to convince myself that I had made her sick. Like I had done something wrong because I wasn't being perfect or wasn't being a good girl the time she got sick. She was in hospital this day and I was just lying in bed just crying and crying and I was just like I hate myself I hate myself my dad came in and I was like I'm just gonna say it I remember he like sat down and talked to me a bit but I can't quite remember what we talked about but I what I remember is we he managed to get me up and We got into the kitchen and we just started cooking like a stir fry or something. We started talking about how he deals with stress and how I deal with stress and anxiety. I don't know if we used the actual word anxiety because we didn't quite know what it meant then. And it lasted like the whole time we were cooking dinner and then I remember... I remember where we were sitting, like, I was sitting on the couch and he was sitting on the other couch. I kept saying, like, no, but, like, I'm always worried and, like, I'm always scared and, like, it doesn't, it feels like it takes over my life. And by the end of the conversation, he said, maybe you should see someone, like, see the doctor or something. All of this list lifted in me and I was just like, he gets it. You know how I was saying earlier, I need someone to tell me what to do? It was kind of like I knew that I needed to see the doctor or I knew I needed to talk to someone about it, but I needed someone to tell me that yeah mum came out of hospital she's fine now got a new liver and she came with me to the doctor and I remember the doctor said to me do you want to go on medication and I was like no I was so scared to take medication I was just like no I want to try and fix it I think I said I want to try and fix it my own way (laughs) which thinking back now I'm like yeah you've got to find your own way but you can't do it yourself like you need support yeah so I saw a therapist she wasn't quite right and so I didn't go back to her. I think I wrote, I sent an email to the clinic and I think I wrote something like, I need help with brain management. <laughs> I don't even really know what that meant and I think the person came back and was like, so what do you mean by that? I think what I struggle with, the difference between being worried about something and being anxious because they can look so similar but being worried about something could just be like, oh, I'm worried that like the dog's gonna get lost in the backyard. But then I could also at the same time have an anxiety attack about the
1: same thing. I remember a therapist said to me was that, and it's something that really changed my thoughts on it as well for myself, was that anxiety is a normal human emotion. Just like you feel happy, you feel sad, you will at times feel worried or you'll feel anxious. And some people are just predispositioned to feel more anxious than others or, you know, something might happen in your life which makes you feel more anxious. So once I could sort of rec- normalise it as a human emotion and a human experience, it made it seem less scary.
2: Yeah, one of the biggest things I've learned, even this year is I can just take that and be like,
1: okay, I'm
2: feeling anxious. Like I don't necessarily have to do anything with it. Like it can just be there and it can just sit in me and it can just... I can just be like, okay, I'm just going to like take it easy. I'm going to look after myself, but I don't have to find a way to get rid of it or fi- be mad at it or be annoyed that it's even there in the first place or figure out why it came because that can just exacerbate it more and make it worse.
1: Yeah, well, because we, for those people that do experience anxiety, we know how debilitating it can be and it can feel really awful. You know, if you're having anxiety of any level and you're having panic attacks it really does freak people out and I've not, I've got friends who didn't realize it was anxiety and they both took themselves to the hospital in an ambulance because they thought they were having heart attacks and I think it's okay to feel scared of anxiety but it's really great that you have learned to get to that place where it's okay you know because it can really freak you out because you know how intense those feelings can be. In the past, like my
2: um, anxiety has gotten really bad where I've not been kind to myself and I haven't wanted to even be here. I think that part of it, I think is what scares me is like my therapist describes it as like sometimes it's not actually the thing happening. It's it's what you're scared of is yourself, what you'll do to yourself.
1: I want to talk about those strategies you have soon, but you have sort of touched on some of those dark times, but what have the darkest times looked like and felt like for you? I was in this like spiral of like perfectionism. It got to the point where
2: I would go into the kitchen and I would have a pink spatula and a blue spatula. And I would convince myself that if I used the blue spatula, the cake would go wrong. So I'd have to use the pink spatula. And then the same thing would happen for like an apron. Just like little things like this, I would have to like lock my car three, push the button on my car three times because if I didn't somebody would break in even though I pushed it once. (laughs) That locks it. (laughs) As my therapist calls it I was driving to perfect land and things just got like really bad to the point where I was just like I don't know if I really want to keep trying. Everything just feels so hard and dark. I just didn't want to be here anymore. I'm grateful that I had therapist to talk to and that I didn't like take it any further but I had thoughts of like not like what I would do but just like oh my family will be fine my partner will be fine my friends will be fine like they'll be sad for a bit but they'll get over it if I wasn't here and then I like freaked out that I was thinking that I talked to my mum about it and then I talked to my therapist about it and I was terrified. I've been seeing her for six years and I was so scared to talk to her about it and I think that if I was honest with myself I had been having these thoughts for a long time but I just kind of like pushed them away and was like "No, no no that's not right. Then I went back to my doctor and went on medication which was so scary and I think about it now and I'm like I just take a pill every day but at the time I was so scared. I remember I took a video of myself taking it because I was like this is the first pill I'm gonna take and I'm gonna look back on this video and be like this was easy I don't want to put like all of the emphasis on the medication because some people medication doesn't work and I think that talking and other therapies are also just as important I don't think I would have been able to get out of that dark place that I was in last year if I hadn't have been talking to a therapist for the last five years before that
1: Yeah, no, sounds awful. And and yeah, good on you for getting out of that place. What are some of your, I guess, strategies and self-care things that you do for yourself, your self-care things, your self-care practices? I think my biggest one,
2: obviously, is going to therapy every week. I've definitely learned that self-care, like you said, isn't an expensive hairstyle. It is an expensive massage. It can be. And I think that's really cool. And I think maybe like once every couple of months, like do it. That's so lovely. It doesn't even have to be a bubble bath. Like for me, it's taking a breath when I'm getting frustrated. It's feeling the emotion that is in me. And it's also, if I want to sit down and watch TV, I sit down and watch TV. Taking my dog for a walk. There's lots of little things. Like I, I drink so much water. I'll like put a podcast on in the shower and like, that's like my me time.
1: A couple of things to wrap up on. I feel like we could chat perhaps another time, but you know, talking How did you link in that experience with your dad into what you do now with your business, which is having those events or, you know, going into workplaces and hosting workshops where you decorate cupcakes, which they are so beautiful, by the way. I was very impressed with your skills and learning how to do things. And then also at the same time, incorporating chats and open conversations about mental health. How did that sort of come about?
2: It was just after I'd created the Floss Kit, which is the cake kit that you make at home and it has little conversation starter card in it. And then I thought back to the conversation I had with my dad and then my mum was like, well, you could call it, are you okay? And then it kind of just grew from there. I created these conversation starter cards with the help from some other mental health professionals. And I was doing my favorite thing, watching friends one day. And it just like, literally, it was like a light bulb. Like I don't even know where it came from. It just like came into my head and I was like, are you okay the event? It could be a thing, people come, they decorate cupcakes. Like it came to me in like 30 seconds. They decorate cupcakes, we talk about mental health, we could have speakers and it would be amazing. And like, I was like freaking out. And I was like, workplaces were a really like big thing where place where people were starting to be a bit more open about talking about mental health, but also were kind of detached from it. But this was like a fun way to like, get people talking, but also learning something like decorating cupcakes. I had the first one in 2021, which was the event, and that was so successful, but it burnt me out like crazy. (laughs) So I don't have um, the next one until this year, and it was so much fun. It was so successful, and it was so fun having you there, Val.
1: Um, No, it was really fun to be a part of. Yeah, it was really fun to be a part of, and it's really incredible what you've created. And like I said, you know, when you reached out to me to – to ask if I'd be passed, like, oh my goodness, yes. And, you know, we're often all going through things and I was having a bit of a rough patch myself. And I was like, wow, that, I was like, you know, people do come at times. Um, I remember when I got your email and I was like, oh my goodness, it's just so nice when you're not feeling good and then things come your way. What is some advice that you would share with your younger self? Younger Lauren, knowing what you know now, the experiences you've had, what would you tell her?
2: If I could go back, I don't think I would change anything just because I wouldn't be where I am if I didn't learn all of those things when I learned them. But I think something I would go back and I would go back to little Lauren, who's like five and getting frustrated at everything. I would just go back and be like, it's okay to be frustrated. It's it's okay to be frustrated. And maybe, like, in high school, like, go to a few more parties or something. <laughs> oh, will you? Like, have a bit more of a life. <laughs>
1: oh lauren thank you so much for your time and everything you've shared uh so so incredible to hear your story and i think what you've done is incredible so you should be really proud of yourself
2: oh well thank you so much for having me this is really fun
1: (laughs) that's all we've got time for thank you so much for listening to this episode of the self-love club now the most helpful way you can support us is to subscribe or follow on your podcast app if you haven't already also, select automatic downloads and leave us a five-star rating. And if you enjoy listening to our episodes, please write us a kind review. This all really helps other people find us so we can keep making the self-love club and share the link with your friends. Follow us on Instagram at Club Podcast to keep up with our content and videos from our episodes. I am at Crawford, bell underscore Crawford on TikTok, where I post multiple times a day. And join our private Facebook group. Details for all of these with links in the show notes. New episodes are released on Mondays from 5 a.m. New Zealand time. I'll catch you soon. Bye.
0: Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.